Good evening. My name is Aaron Pratt. They call me AP. Um, for the sake of recording this on my um, anchor channel, from wards to second chances, I want to kind of give an introduction to what um, AP is really about and how I'm trying to rebrand and do the things that I'm doing to get ready for some events, but I wanna put this episode on anchor for the veterans who are still suffering from co-occurring disorders, um, the veterans who are still suffering from being homeless out there on the street with a dog, a basket and a flag after honorably serving our country, giving themselves away and to come home with no honor. So give me a second to um, get my light show together here. I'm gonna go into some material for you, but I want you to listen to something. My name is AP, Scar is the brand. You can find me on YouTube, Facebook, WordPress, um, just simply by putting in uh, my name, Aaron Pratt, Scarp, in the Google search bar. Uh, and you can find me from there. Take a listen to this. especially acute among war veterans. 
Not only are recent veterans at higher risk to suffer from PTSD than those in general population, they also face unique barriers to assessing adequate treatment. These include the requirement that they have either an honorable or general discharge to access Department of Veterans Affairs, medical benefits, long waiting lists at the VA medical centers, and the social stigma associated with mental illness within military communities. According to a study conducted by the RAD research, less than half of returning veterans needing mental health services receive any treatment at all. And those receiving treatment for PTSD and major depression, less than one third are receiving evidence-based care. Since discharge, 
their arrest rate is almost twice that of non-veterans of the same age. There are no accurate figures on how many of these men have been incarcerated. This is one legacy of the Vietnam War. content to life. Uh, if you're hearing it on Anchor, from war to second chances, Anchor podcast, you probably can hear what's in my voice. But, I, you know, the reason why I'm trying to do this is because I have a passion um, that I, you know, I want to equate to this thing that I had when I was serving. I became hell while I was in hell to, 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 to make it home, to make it back home. And, uh, you know, I live in that same hell in my mind every day. Um, it doesn't get better unless I participate in my wellness. And, you know, this is what I have as a result because I found out that the obstacle is the way. The obstacle to my healing, the obstacles that I face to get to my healing keep me engaged in being a person who's determined with resilience and resolve to, to, to finish what's left of my life a lot. Lost a lot of brothers over there, sisters too. Um, and uh, out of my nine campaigns, I, I, I'll just say this. Uh, I've seen I've seen a lot of carnage, and I've you know, and and I've had to do some things that I'm not proud of to get home, and so um, and then when I got home, my reward was being undiagnosed, uh, misunderstood, stigmatized, locked up, left to my own demise, and so I you know I purpose today to be a conduit of hope, a billboard of hope for others. You know, there's, there's a lot to uh, AP and the reasons why I, I, I'm doing what I do. 
and it's helping me stay proactively involved and not living on the street with no medical benefits, with no hope, no shower, no food, no clean clothing, letting the concrete suck the life out of me, participating in lascivious behavior, drinking myself to death, smoking rocks, smoking whatever I can smoke off some tinfoil to hide the pain and the scars that live in my mind. So I'm gonna to talk to you about the term co-occurring disorders, also referred to as dual diagnosis or comorbidity. Refers to a diagnosis of two or more mental disorders, including substance use disorders at the same time. As more active duty service members see combat situations, more are at risk for developing co-occurring disorders. And you know, you heard in the video what they're talking about. And you know, about 11 to 20% of service members returning from Iraq and Afghanistan struggle with both PTSD and depression, as these conditions frequently occur together. I wanna make sure I make this clear. I'm talking about combat PTSD. Um, and you know, there's, to me, I feel, I don't know what the modality of psychological evidence-based, uh, really haven't gotten into it, thinks, but I think it's a PTSD in combat veterans. The existence of war-induced psychological trauma likely goes back as far as warfare itself. With one of his first mentions, and the Greek historian Herodotus in writing about the Battle of Marathon in 490 BC. Herodotus described an, Athen an Athenian warrior who went permanently blind when the soldier standing next to him was killed, although the blinded soldier himself had not been wounded. Such accounts of psychological symptoms following military trauma are featured in the literature of many early cultures. And it is theorized that ancient soldiers experienced the stresses of war in much the same way as their modern day counterparts. The symptoms and syndrome of PTSD became increasingly evident during the American Civil War. 1861 to 1865, often referred to as the country's bloodiest conflict. The Civil War saw the first widespread use of rapid fire rifles, telescopic sights, and other innovations in weaponry that greatly increased destructiveness in battle and left those who survived with a myriad of physical and psychological injuries. I, 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 you know, I'm just giving some backdrop, history, concrete. I, I want you to see the difference. I'm not minimizing anybody's PTSD, but I'm talking about mine. I'm talking about what I'm going through right here and why I have to be the RX for healing for others so that I can participate in my life um, and what remains of it. About half of the returning veterans uh, 
of Chester wars in Iraq have been treated by a veteran administration for symptoms of mental illness. 30% of those veterans report PTSD symptoms specifically. Understanding how mental health struggles and substance abuse overlap among military veterans is integral to identifying symptoms and the right treatment program as soon as possible. Have you lost control of your substance use? Have you lost control of your peace? Is your mind a battlefield? I think we can help. I want to help you because I'm helping me. My life is not my own. I live to serve and I, li I live to serve still. I live to serve still. Um, veterans are at a higher risk for a few specific co-occurring disorders connected to PTSD. Uh, PTSD can be triggered by a serious accident, war or combat, specifically stress from being in a war zone, being wounded in action, becoming a prisoner of war, neutral disaster, terrorist attacks, rape or other violent assault. Military veterans may have experience with more than one of the above mentioned and consequently veterans with a substance use disorder, SUD diagnosis often have um, post-traumatic stress disorder. Alcohol abuse, PTSD and alcohol abuse, alcohol use disorder, AUD, AUD, heavy drinking, veins drinking are a few of the most frequently reported types of substance abuse among veterans in general. In one study, 12 to 15% of soldiers who were deployed to Iraq abused alcohol. I'm a sailor. That was the culture. Let's get drunk. It's liberty time. Let's go. You can relate. Let me hear from you. I'd like to hear from you. What I want to do right now is I want to go into my childhood trauma that allowed me to work it a different way. My childhood trauma actually allowed me to, to survive through going to college, being a father, and um, being selected to uh, become um, one of the elite members of a, of, of a team of men that I still to this day, I salute in my heart and in my mind when I lay down a Navy SEAL. As far back as I can remember, my dad's mental abuse of me started around the age of seven. My dad was a lieutenant colonel, a helicopter fighter pilot in the United States Army. His passion to serve his country somehow or another impacted his ability to be a compassionate father. I remember being pressured to perform academically to a standard that was too high for me. But by, but my life, depended on performing to my dad's standards. I was introduced to anxiety and anger by receiving a C grade in trigonometry in the ninth grade, which resulted in me eating from a straw for six and a half months. That's trauma. That's trauma. Mouth wired shut early.
I graduated high school in the 11th grade with a son due to be born six months afterwards. I was in ROTC program while in school and took advantage of entering the US Navy to get away from the abuse and pressures of my dad. I had to solicit my mom and uncle's assistance to get the needed signatures to get accepted uh, to the Navy, into the Navy. I was offered college upon acceptance to the Navy and completed a four and a half year, a four year degree at Syracuse in three and a half years due largely to being a dad and married at the age of 17. That's trauma. The pressure to become successful and raise a family also impacted my mental health. But I was still unaware of having a diagnosis. After graduation from college, I was offered officer candidate school. I turned it down because I felt like I would become the monster my dad was. I went into the fleet for two and a half years and learned to consume alcohol to offset my emotional instabilities. I just want to tell you, this is in a mental health publication um, associated with uh, Riverside Behavior Health. They had a mental health uh, month publication. So it, it's been vetted. Everything that I'm saying to you has been vetted. I've been vetted by the VA. I'm a speaker. Uh, I do things with the VA. I do things with a lot of different people on a wide circuit. So, um, you know, you can find this information, not just here. I was introduced to an elite team within the Navy after two Westpacs, Navy SEALs. I completed nine campaigns and suffered many atrocities performing my duties. I was discharged from the Navy due to disciplinary behavior and still undiagnosed. After discharge, I went to work at McDonnell Douglas as an aerodynamic, aerodynamic engineer. While working there for two years, I began to act out and suffer from many addictive behaviors. As a result of not being diagnosed, I badly assaulted my department manager and went to prison for the first time in my life for five years. While in prison, I met a veteran service advocate that helped me gain access to some therapy that somewhat induced me to some of the things that were wrong with me mentally. After my release from that imprisonment, I continued to spiral out of control in negative behaviors and practiced my duality of addictive behaviors that resulted in 10 year sentence in a federal prison coupled with three years of house arrest. In 2013, I finally started to get momentum in gaining insight about myself by aligning myself with Riverside Mental Health and having a spiritual awakening. In 2015, I met Senior Chief Sanchez. He became my mentor in BSL. He advocated for me when I did not have very good communication skills due to my PTSD, OCD, schizoaffective, anger, anxiety diagnosis. I was married and homeless, but determined to overcome my many challenges. I told you the obstacle is the way. I followed the BSL advice and accepted all his resources to get me stabilized. My life has come together in a miraculous way. I have positive community today, three pastors who nurture and keep me grounded. 
fiance that is very supportive and a host of military advocates that are resources to me and the populations I serve to keep my RX for healing intact. At this very day, presently, this moment, out of these 86,122 seconds, 1,440 minutes, I have 29 years sobriety from co-occurring disorders. I founded a nonprofit that is in prison publications and work in the capacity of substance abuse counselor, peer support, and pastor of an African-American church, 102 years existence in Riverside. I, you know, and I'm not a senior pastor. I really don't like that term anymore. I just like this, a man that loves Jesus, a man that has overcome a many obstacles, a man that's still trying to overcome many obstacles. I don't profess to be a guru of anything. I'm a broken vessel, living, existing, having my being, and a God that's in control of this universe that decided to hear my cry one day from a pit in Libya and said, Aaron, I, I accept your offer. So I told God, if you save me and bring me home, I dedicate the rest of my life to service of you. And in that, I bumped my head and I groped around for many more years. And even today, I still grope around, bump my hand, but his grace is sufficient. And in that grace, I always bounce back, find my way back to him. I'm gonna tell you something about PTSD and marijuana use. Statistics on the co-occurrences of marijuana and PTSD are hard to find because service members who abuse illicit drugs like marijuana or heroin are dishonorably discharged and are no longer considered veterans of the armed services. However, as marijuana becomes a socially acceptable drug and is legalized in some states, the VA is tracking abuse rates more closely because 2002, between 2002 and 2014, the number of veterans diagnosed with PTSD and marijuana abuse rose from 13% to 22.7%. I want to talk to you about that because the big farmer is, is, is making these pills. I lived eight years in a stupor from taking 28 pills a day. Uh, Welbutrin, Haldol, and all that crap. I took it because I, my mind was out of control and so was I. But um, as I began to mature and matriculate into uh, my healing, I segue into more information and um I'm finding that veterans, I'm finding this information now that veterans who are participating in smoking um, um, and uh, smoking marijuana that's prescribed, um, eating edibles and uh, things of this nature, their symptoms are subsiding and they're able to participate and cope, cooperate with their treatment uh, and, and doing better. So I don't have the actual statistics on it. Yeah, I'm still researching that. Depression and alcohol abuse. Alcohol abuse is already known to be high among veterans with PTSD. So this may contribute to increased rates of depression as alcohol changes brain chemistry. 
depression and alcohol use disorder are closely associated in general, not just among veterans. Heavy alcohol consumption among active duty service members declined from the 1980s to the 1990s, but began rising again in the early 2000s. Binge drinking in this group rose from 35% in 1998 to 47% and 2008. These forms of drinking were closely associated with the co-occurring mental illnesses, especially depression and PTSD. Other anxiety disorders and insomnia and opiates, abuse of opiate drugs, especially prescription painkillers, is rising among veterans as it rises in the general population. Doctor prescribed opiates to 17.8% of veterans with PTSD and 11.7% with another mental health problem. Percentage of veterans receiving pain management with prescription narcotics increased from 17% to 24% between 2001 and 2009. In the same time frame, the number of opiate prescriptions written by military physicians more than quadrupled. In another study of 343 veterans, 35.3% reported aberrant brain and pain management behavior, which included abusing prescription drugs, illicit drugs and alcohol. So I just wanna say um, for the sake of telling you, the struggle is real. This is your boy AP. I'm gonna be doing many more uh, introductions um, like this to um, share why I work in this modality of work, why I have the passion to uh, work 10 hours a day, you know, go to meetings and do all the things I do to try to work and be a resource for those who are out there lost. Need you to check in with me. Hit me in the box.
struggle is real. 19. 19. There are no accurate figures on how many of these men have been incarcerated. This is one legacy of the Vietnam War. So, having said that, it's your boy AP.